we welcome you to Geekly Retrospect, issue number two. I'm Ethan Maestri. Joining me at the microphone is the Kool-Aid man himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Mazzocco. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Um, pleased to have you here. Pleased to have you, dear listener, uh, join us for this second issue of Geekly Retrospect. Um, so we decided to go no context. Do you want to go no context? I mean, it's fine. I think we need to at least acknowledge the fact that we're not giving context to the Kool-Aid Man comment. Okay. And that way we can just let the listeners wonder. Let's talk about that for a second, though. Context? It's yeah. It's everything. It, okay. it is everything. Uh, what was it I heard the other day? Um, you know, the rotation of the Earth really makes my day. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but Context. Is, is it important in a situation like this where there's an inside joke that has been related to a wider audience that has no clue what the reference is meaning? Do you think that it's good to just leave it hanging that way? Or would you appreciate it if you're in the situation where you don't know what the context is if you were filled in on it? <sighs> Boy, that's a that question is loaded with double barrels because you know it's, it's it kind of okay let me let me compare it to like the the magician's trick right yeah okay, okay. you want to know the magician's trick absolutely you do but then when you know the magician's trick it's the trick is good. ruined yeah it's not as good yeah yeah so so this really is a conundrum for us do we let the listener know what the kool-aid man reference is referring to and by just the very fact that we're talking about it, I feel like is building it up even more to where we're almost obligated to give the context. Yeah. But I kind of don't want to. Well, I mean, at this point, we've built it up so much. The payoff is going to be just terrible. It would be. Yeah. It's a huge letdown. But, I mean, that's that's you and I that's saying that. It, it could be. Maybe it's going to go over great. It could catch on. It could go viral. You know what? We'll put a poll out there and let the listener tell us. All right. Do they want to know the context of Kool-Aid Man mm-hmm. or not? Moving on. Uh, so, Ryan, uh, issue issue one released last month or the beginning of, of May. We're so still in the month. You to go issue? Yeah, I did. Instead of yes, episode? Yes, I okay. did. I settled on that. Okay. Um, you and your issues. You've got... I, I have issues. You have issues with issues. <laughs> I do. I do. That is something we did frequently talk about in the past, and now it it has continued. So, yeah, we issue number one came out. Um, thank you to everyone that has uh, given a little bit of feedback, that's been happy to hear uh, us doing our thing again. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. yeah, we greatly appreciate that. How did it go? I haven't heard it. It went well. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we were in the wrong inputs, as I told you, as we were getting started. Yeah, I heard about. So there that. was a little uh-huh. bit of an audio issue, but you know, that's I, I I'm well aware of it, sure. but I don't know that anyone else is. It's a, it's a production thing. Yeah, you and I are probably the only ones that would even notice. I didn't listen, so you're probably the only one that list, that noticed. What I should do is say, yeah, it was great. Here, let me put in an, a, a clip here and just put in like garbage audio. <laughs> Us talking uh, through tin cans or something. That would be great. Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of that. Uh-huh. Uh, no. Uh, no, it went well. And, and thank you to all that have uh, given feedback. And, and again, we we have to say thank you, Wannabe, uh, wannabe Network and, and Gabe Fast. It pains me to have to say this, but thank you for hosting us. And, uh, yeah, all of that good stuff. I'll never say thank you to Gabe for anything. Okay. Uh, again, moving on. So, what do we do here? Well, we you know we have a uh, we have our pop culture history segment. So we're just going to launch right into that. We're skipping May. I decided we now know what our um, our release schedule is going to be like. Man, I feel like we skipped May. We did. Yeah. May May has very rapidly uh, entered my rear view, and, and now here we are recording, and it is it is a. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. Holy cow. Yeah. May's done. Yeah. <sighs> wow. And I just had a major vacation and it's sad. Major vacation. Major vacation. Um, <laughs> it, how come that never gets old? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. 
But uh, yeah, that's in my review, and that's sad because there's two weeks of vacation uh, I'm not getting back for at least another year. So. That bad, huh? Yeah. No, 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 no. The, oh. the vacation was great. Okay. Um, 10-day cruise? How could it not be great? I don't know. I've never been on a cruise before. Okay. Um, we're, we won't talk about it, but, but you know, 10 days, six ports, six islands. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Sounds an awful lot like we're talking about it. Okay, moving on then. No, what were we going to talk about? Oh yeah, we're skipping the month of May. I'm in a mood tonight. I, I don't you know. are. You I don't are. know what's so going it's, on. Uh, it's it's a little sticky in here. <laughs> it's warm. But um, in any case, we're gonna, we're talking about pop culture history. Skipping May, we're going straight to June because you listener are in June, so we may as well talk about the month that you're in. And if you hear noises out in the background, we've got the garage door open. We're in studio. What studio was this? Uh, e. D1. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever one this is. Yeah, we're out in my garage. So if you hear cars in the background or whatnot, then, uh, you know, it's it's this it's the sounds of middle America. So there you go. Uh, June. Pop culture history. What happened in the month of June? Well, June 5th uh, is a red letter date. We have June 5th, 1977. The Apple II went on sale. Now, I don't personally have any experience with the Apple II because this actually came out before I was born. But I didn't realize that Apple PCs were being sold before I was born. I thought they were an extreme late 70s, early 80s thing. But for the Apple II computer to come out in 1977 before I was born, they uh, I don't know. Interesting that uh, we're marking uh, that point in uh, technological history. Uh, June 6th. 1983. This is a big one. Ryan, do you have any experience with this program? I have so much experience with this program. Yes. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Not bad. Yeah. Reading rainbow premieres on PBS. We did not rehearse that. We did that. not rehearse that. June 6, 1983. Holy cow. That's uh that's 40 years this month. I believe 40, it. 40 years or yeah, for for the month of June, 40 years reading Rainbow. LeVar Burton of course hosted that incredible series. Appropriately, we're about to talk a little bit of uh, Star Trek TNG later on in this episode, and he had like one of the seminal behind the scenes looks into that show as it was being produced. That is an episode that I will still go on YouTube and oh, find and watch. Absolutely. It's just, it's that good. Yeah. Little kid, adult, it doesn't matter. But hey, you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Reading Rainbow, Lavar Burton, man, what, what a guy. What a guy. And uh, yeah, 40 years old. This Remember month. the volcano episode? The volcano episode, oh, so good. Um, gosh, what were some other great ones? I, I'm now blanking because I, I, you say it and I remember it, but I cannot recall. Oh, man, that it's it's that TNG one that just stands out. Mm -hmm. But I watched it, every, you know, when it was. Did it run every day for you, or was it once a week? I watched it every day. You watched it every day. Okay, yeah. so they just they just looped them. Yeah. So anyway. Reading Rainbow. Moving on, June 11th, 1955. I bring this one up because we are in the month of June, and I am a race fan, motorsport fan. And uh, this is, a, this is a, a, a big event that took place in 1955. Not for good things, though. 83 spectators were killed, and at least 100 people were injured after an Austin Healey and a Mercedes-Benz collided at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in the deadliest accident to date in motorsport. Now, I bring this one up, one, because it is exactly as it's spelled out there, the most deadly accident ever at any motorsport event in history. Um, there is an animated short from 2018 that came out called Le Mans 1955, and it is, it's about 15 minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. It is an extremely powerful animated short film uh, in which it depicts the events. It, it, it depicts events that happened 
around that event, that accident happening. And it's extremely poignant. And so if it's a, if this is a little bit of history in a subject that you're not interested in, and I know Ryan, you're not a motorsport guy, you're not an auto guy, but it, it is a major event and it's a, there's a human story, a human tragedy that takes place there. And that short film I thought did an extremely good job, excellent job of relating the human story uh, of what took place around that event. So I'm, I, 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 I bring it up because, you know, it's, it's historic, but also there is uh, there is something that can, even in our day, more than 60 years later, uh, 70 years later, almost uh, still can connect us to an event like that. So I just wanted to bring that up here. Also on June 11th, 1982, this is a movie I know you've seen. E.T., the extraterrestrial, released in theaters, June 11th, 1982. You were a couple of years old? Uh, No, I was was about, uh, what day did this this come out? June 11th. June 11th. Um, I had just turned six months old. Oh, wow. Wow, okay. I was was five, and I do remember going to the theater to see it. I remember being a little bit scared by this movie. Because, you know, E.T. was a little frightening. Mm -hmm. But um, subsequent years, I remember watching it on VHS when we'd have it in the house. And just a just a classic 80s kids film. And, uh, you know, I put it right there with, you know, it, it's one of those ones that you think of the pantheon of 80s movies. And, of course, top of the list is Back to the Future. Right. I mean, that's that's got to be the top 80s. We, we, we probably ought to list our top 80s movies at some point. That could be an episode. But anyway, Back to the Future, Goonies. The Explorers, I put those in there. E.T. is right there among those in that pantheon of, of top top movies that I grew up with as a kid. You? Yeah, yeah, because I guess, uh, when did Star Trek V come out? 1989. Okay, so yeah, that's in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Star Trek V, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the one I'm going with. I just decided, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's funny, I just heard an interview on a podcast with Lawrence Luckinbill, Cybok from that movie oh yeah yeah still alive 88 years old he is and uh still kicking yeah yeah anyway uh also june 11th a lot of stuff happened on june 11th yeah watch out yeah 1986 ferris bueller's day off released in theaters and coming back to the auto theme that rare ferrari 250 gt spider california not really destroyed in that film so what sigh of relief it would have been a kit car or something that they would have destroyed. Oh, man. So disappointing. <laughs> that is a very rare vehicle. Yeah. And like multi-million dollar value on that car. Just completely takes me out of that movie now. It's ruined. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You are a sad, sad little man. <sighs> and I pity you. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> yeah, not quite it. Huh? <laughs> Sad, strange little man. Better? Yes, that's better. Yeah. How does he close it? I don't remember. You have my pity. You have my pity. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay. June 20th, 1975. Hollywood's first major summer must-see blockbuster. Major summer? It's major summer. Jaws opens in theaters. Have you seen Jaws? Yes. Okay. I don't know why, why you keep I... asking me these questions. Well, you hadn't seen Godfather. Is it Godfather. because of the Godfather yes. thing? All right. All I got. Right. I got. Ch- I got to check with you on these things. Uh, you know, because neither one of us saw Godfather, but yeah. here we are. I'm, I'm checking on Jaws. Yes. Well, it wasn't Jaws. exactly one of those movies that I was allowed to watch as a child. Really? Yeah. And I just never got around to it. Huh. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I recently rewatched that movie, and I, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. I remember it being on in my household, you know, the house that I grew up in. Um, my parents had an appreciation for it. I didn't realize how much nudity there kind of is in that. Like like the opening sequences with the woman in the water and stuff. There's like, it's like, like a Bond opening. See, nobody told me this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
it's a little bit surprising. And it goes back to that, you know, they didn't have PG-13 back in the day. It was mm-hmm. just PG. And so, you know, parents took their kids. Well, there's a lady's breasts in, in the water. You know, it's 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 there. It's there. I mean, and and you can't help but not realize that. But I, as a kid, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking, where's the shark? Where's, that's what I'm looking for, you know. Oh, you're talking about Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about Jaws. Good Lord. We're off of Godfather. We're, we're, we're back well on off Jaws. Godfather. Back on okay. Jaws. Yeah, we're talking about uh, June 20th, 1975. Jaws opens in theaters. Uh, June 23rd, 1989. Big one. Red Letter Day. Starring Michael Keaton. Batman. Not the Batman, not the Dark Knight, not Batman Begins, Batman. Yep. Thoughts? I mean, this was the moment that the superhero genre movie just completely changed forever. I grew up as a Superman fan. When I was a little kid, I was, I, I, I would eat, drink, breathe, sleep Superman. I think I've told the story on our old show about the time that I went to, uh, I got in trouble in first grade because I wore my Superman pajamas underneath my clothes so that when I went out to recess, I could take off my shirt and be Superman. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was until June 23rd, 1989. <laughs> right. When I learned, oh, there's a new hero in town. You know what I learned from that movie? Never rub another man's rhubarb. Yeah. 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 Important lessons. Yeah. Great life lessons there. Um, and also anything more than 108 is, you know, you can't you can't carry that around on your tool belt. <laughs> That's right. Don't don't tell your girlfriend that though. Yeah. If if you ever pick her up. Yeah, just no. Don't. <laughs> uh and then finally, June 29th, we come back to Apple again. June 29th, 2007. Ryan, I know you're not an Apple file. I know you hate Apple. But you got to admit, this was kind of a big deal here. I admit nothing. June 29th, 2007. Apple releases the first mobile phone, the iPhone. And our lives, as we have talked about. Could you repeat that? What did you just say? Apple released the first mobile phone, the iPhone. Apple released... It's first mobile phone. Oh, I'm sorry. It's first. Yeah, I, I missed a. Whew. English is hard. Okay. <laughs> All right, I just want to not, make sure we're not we're the clear. first. Yeah, it, it's first mobile phone. The iPhone. Yes, correct. June 29th, two thousand seven. Um, and, and smart the smartphone universe just opens up for everybody because you're you subsequently have now subscribe to the android universe right i'm an iphone guy everything i've got here is is iphone what my company uses that i work for so um but gosh you know looking back on it 2007 that really is kind of a watershed year in just how we interact with other people Mm -hmm. you know all of it changes from that point forward because whether you were an an iPhone guy or whatever else came along, it had to be a smartphone at that point. It had to be a mini tablet, mm-hmm. and uh, just just the way our lives from two thousand seven on has just fundamentally shifted mm-hmm. in our day to day. So yeah, interesting that it, it. What point in history has something changed so dramatically, so quickly, and it was just so far-reaching into everybody's lives and so deep into everyone's lives. I mean, TV, maybe? Yeah. But even then, like, not everybody had it. Right. Right. It took a while. One Um, of the things that I saw uh, back in 1947, um, and I forget the date, but it is in June in 1947, the BBC begins airing television again for the first time since World War II. It took them that long after the end of the war to get to where they were starting to broadcast television. But they started broadcasting television in 1939. I didn't realize that. You would think something like that would be just a watershed moment. But we don't really think in terms like that. 
I almost feel like you got to go to, you know, like major events like 9 11. Major events? Yeah, major events is the theme for the night. Um, you have to go to something like a 9 11, you know, 2001 type event mm-hmm. where it, it, without realizing it, but realizing it, everyone's affected. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's an attack. That's in a tragedy. That's a, let me yeah. say that again. That's an attack. That's a tragedy. Yeah. Where whereas this this is a technical technical wow, I can't do it tonight. That's a technological achievement. Yeah, but it's in the same vein though. We're talking about events that changed how we live. And you think about 9/11, 2001, everybody's lives at least in this country, in the United States. Everyone's lives shifted just a little bit. And you could almost say the the world shifted along with it. It may have taken a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. you know, the fallout was immense mm-hmm. worldwide. Well, that's what we're talking about here with iPhone, with smartphones. Once that genie is out of the bottle, everybody's lives shift, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's, it's, I kind of view that kind of in a similar vein. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with your logic. I just think it's a it's a completely different thing, though, because they're the the catalyst and the result are two very different things. I, I'm because I'm just going to repeat myself if I if I say that because it's uh, yeah it's already what's what I said already. It's just one's a tragedy, one's a technological advancement. All right, so yeah. so what about? Um, uh, okay, the the moonshot, the moon landing, mm-hmm. nineteen sixty nine. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that in the same vein as the iPhone coming out? Do you think? No, really? Why not? No, I don't think so, because the moon landing that was an, an incredible accomplishment. If you believe that sort of thing actually happened, um, then that's an that's an incredible accomplishment for a group of people who were able to go do that and then tell us about it and show us some footage. The moon landing did not change my life. Granted, I was not alive when it happened. Uh, now hang on. But you benefit from the advancements that came from sending a man to the moon. You benefit directly. Velcro, Tang, all of those things came directly out of that effort to get a man to the moon. Uh, when was the last time I've had Tang? <laughs> Okay. Point point taken. Yeah. Point taken. But it, it's there are things that man continues to benefit from because of the effort that went into putting that man oh, on the yeah. moon. There are things that we benefit from every day because of something that happened. Usually military trying to make weapons of some sort, but uh hey, maybe we can use this as a good thing for civilians too. It goes the other way around too. But anyway, the point is, to, the, the, what I'm trying to say is just that something like a smartphone or all of these devices that we have, there it was like an immediate jump to the future. Because when I think about, I, I, before I was talking about television. Television is something that changed the world. But I feel like it also took a lot longer time to yeah. do it because not everybody had... Uh, a television when it first happened. Granted, not everybody had a smartphone when it first happened. I probably didn't get my first smartphone till probably, I don't know, 2012 to 14. Yeah, about the same. For yeah, me. okay. So I was late to the party, though. That's kind of the point, mm-hmm. is that 2007 to 2014, that's seven years. And if you're jumping in at that point, you're you're getting on board late. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas with TV, radio, all of these things, walkie-talkie, it took years before right. we get to the point where Society. this is a thing that it's ubiquitous. Everybody has this thing. Everybody benefits from it. Mm-hmm. Everyone assumes that everyone has this resource. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. We're already there with In smartphones. Way less time. And, and, and devices, tablets, you know, whatever. Yeah. All of these smart devices that we have. No, that's a great point. It, it, it gets down to we have smart refrigerators. So I just helped my father-in-law ins- install a microwave, an o- over-the-oven microwave. 
it has built-in Wi-Fi capability, so it can report to his Wi-Fi and send to his phone. So he knows what the status of his so popcorn is. So he is. knows his potatoes. Don't that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the world we live in now. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Internet of Things. Yeah, it, no, and that's a great point that you're making there. It's the compression. The compression of the advancement is in a much shorter time frame. So we're feeling those effects far faster than previous things that were rolled out to and we and just the fact that we don't do anything without our smart devices yeah you know i'm sure it's the same for you at work uh at my place of employment everything is done through our smart devices yeah so smartphones customers come in and like hey i want to sign up for this and that okay scan this qr code with your device fill out the form that it gives you and then it sends it to our system right okay and it's, it's everything mm-hmm. everywhere you go everywhere you go hey i want to do this okay cool scan this code yeah no I, I came in to the job that i have now i came into it in 2007 that's when i started that job and when i went out into the field working on copiers on my own i was handed a nokia cell phone an old-style Nokia cell phone that you couldn't destroy. And I called in on that cell phone to open calls, close calls. You know, th- that's how that's how I made contact. And then somebody on the other end was entering all of my data into a computer, right? That lasted about six months. And then the, the slider with the keyboard, mm-hmm. I forget what those were called. Those those came out shortly after the, I guess, you the You're talking iPhone. about the, the brand or the... Is it... It was it was a Windows based phone, Windows CE based. Oh, okay. And it was the slide, you know, you turn it sideways, and it had the screen, and you had the keyboard underneath yeah, it. I remember it we had open. a Kyocera that worked that way. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. Um, so yeah, it, so that very quickly, the landscape changed in how we did work, mm-hmm. and it, and we haven't gone back since. Why would we? Yeah, no, I'm I'm holding a device yeah. here and doing this here podcast. Um, people are podcasting on their iPads. On their iPads, exactly. iPads, iPhones, whatever they got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it has changed. Gosh, it, we could sit here the rest of the night and go over how our lives have have shifted. Do you want to do that? No. Okay. Not really. Do you? Uh, maybe another time. some of the, some other time. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah let's let's draw a close to our reminiscence and uh, discussion of pop culture history and. Uh, Move on to our main discussion. So, Ryan, what we're going to talk about is Star Trek Picard. I sincerely hope that this is the last time that I find myself here. You just don't get it, do you, Jean-Luc? The trial never ends. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. And for one brief moment, you did. When I realized the paradox... Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. Q, what is it that you're trying to tell me? You'll find out. In any case, I'll be watching. And if you're very lucky, I'll drop by to say hello from time to time. See you out there. Ryan, we're here to talk about Star Trek, which is you and I have had so many discussions over the years about Star Trek. And why is that? Um... Because it's how we became friends. In part, yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know. Because we both love Star Trek so much. Yeah. What's the? Um, oh man, I forget the uh, the, uh, the the songwriter. Uh, anyway, talking about Los Angeles, we love it. That's that's. I want to inject that that chorus right now. Yeah. The, I don't we ever, love it. I do ever want to be like I did that day. Uh. No. Take me to the place I love. No, not Un- that one. Under the bridge downtown. No. What's the the guy that did the 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 Toy Story music? 
Randy Newman? Randy Newman, yeah. yeah. He wrote that song about, I want to say it's, anyway, I'm, wow, we are way off topic here. Yeah, I don't know where you're going. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if I want to edit this or leave it in now at this point. We're having fun. We're having a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you and I both love Star Trek. Yeah. I obviously did not give you the answer that you wanted. So, no. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what really sucks? What's that? Is I'm trying to helm a show here, mm-hmm. but also trying to think of what that Randy Newman song is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like you, you know when the bottom of your foot itches and you can't take your shoe off to get to it? Yeah. It's like I've stuck my finger down the left side and I'm getting a little bit of relief by knowing it was Randy Newman. Thank you for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I can't quite get the itch where it's at. Hmm. I can't think of what the name of that song is. Well, you know what the problem is. What's that? You have these these lace-on shoes. Check this out. I got these slip-ons. Look. Oh, I can scratch anywhere I want to. Brilliant. Yeah. Like, I can scratch just for fun. Yeah. It doesn't even itch, but I'm scratching my foot right now. Nice. How do you, how do you like that? I'm envious. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All Good Things mm-hmm. premiered uh, the final episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, season seven, right? That happened in the month of May, 29 years ago. Can you believe that? 29 years since All Good Things. And I wanted to ask you, considering the fact that we, we both grew up on TNG, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. Next Generation. That was kind of... I mean, I'm a, I love Deep Space Nine. That is my favorite Star Trek. But I was raised watching The Next Generation. And from our conversations that's that's where you were at too yep when it came to that final episode in season seven uh did you watch it live do you remember watching it live i missed it you did yep okay i was uh out of town (laughs) and calling frantically back home my dad and i both were calling trying to find somebody who had the capability and the opportunity to record it for us. Oh, wow. And it did not happen. Ooh. So I actually didn't see it until, oh, it was years later when mm. I finally saw it, uh, just when they when they were showing it in syndication, I finally was able to catch it. Yeah. Wow. And of course, okay. then it split up over two days at that point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you watch it in syndication, mm-hmm. an hour and a half episode, yeah, they would have had to split the 45. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, um, I, I at that point was starting to. I love Star Trek, and I followed it when I could, but it was kind of getting to the point where other things. I was doing other things on Saturdays, right? So I was out running around with friends. Um, I remember being home and watching it at ten thirty on a Saturday night when it, when the final episode aired, and they bumped Deep Space Nine back <laughs> to the what would it have been the 1230 slot and i watched i watched the uh the two hours uh from 10 30 to, to midnight 12 30 and watched the the final the complete run of the final episode and i remember it it was it hit differently because i had missed a lot of episodes in season seven and some of the season seven episodes were not great that I had seen. I remember that much. I remember getting to the end of this and being like, okay, well, it's over. That's good. But I already knew there was a movie coming. So all good things for me didn't hit the way like Star Trek six, the end of Star Trek six, when you see when the music rises and the, the enterprise flies off into the sunset and you see the, the the autographs coming up on screen at the end you're like okay this is it mm-hmm. this is the last we're seeing of the the TOS crew this is their last hurrah it didn't hit that way with me all good things it isn't until years later now when i watch that episode that i realize man TNG really went away for a long time because there are elements of TNG in the subsequent movies but even by the time you get to insurrection and nemesis, that's kind of, it's 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 kind of its own thing. It's not really the TNG that we knew and loved for seven seasons. Would you agree with that, or or do you feel differently? <sighs> I wasn't prepared to be asked that question, but uh, yeah, you know, you 
honestly, you could say the same thing with the TOS movies, though. I mean, there there are so many ways that it kind of goes away from what the series was, but that's also because it's the format of the show. You know, by the time you get to the movies, especially for the next generation movies, they have way more budget than TOS ever had. Yeah. For anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now you're you're putting together stories that need to be. Um, Good stories, but also a lot of action, because that's what people are expecting at that time. So it needs to be a big blockbuster movie, not overly cerebral like Star Trek likes to be when it's at its best. True. Okay. Um, But there's also still just... You never lost the connection to these characters that you had I didn't, anyway. And then, going back, I I saw the same thing happen with all of the original series cast and the series and the movies, because uh, if you look at it from my perspective of when I was introduced to Star Trek, okay, I plopped in right in the middle of Next Generation. Okay, that's when I really discovered Star Trek. That's when I fell in love with it. TOS was something that I kind of knew was around and I had watched episodes here and there, but I had never watched it completely through until after I had already watched the, uh, the next generation mm-hmm. after I had already watched all of the TOS movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I go back and watch all of the episodes. So, Maybe that kind of skews my perspective just a little bit, because with TOS, I wasn't there from the beginning as much as I was the next generation. Now, again, I have to just with a little bit of caveat there, because with next generation, keep in mind, it came, it started in what, 87? Yeah. I was five years old. Yeah. So... Uh, five or six. So you're not as I'm, connected with the yes, with it in real time. I'm not in. Con- I'm not yeah. as connected. I'm also not in control of everything that is being viewed on the TV in my home. Right. Okay. <laughs> Good point. So, so it was a little bit hit and miss, but I watched enough of it to know that this was something that I was into. Well, and your I, dad was into it. Yeah. Yeah. He was. So that helped. Um not huge super fan. No. But entertained by casual it. Star Trek viewer. Yeah. Enough to expose me to it. Yeah. And and so I still to the, like there are moments that I remember the very first time I ever saw some of these things. We've talked about it before. Yeah. The Borg Cube, the very first time I ever saw that, it was in the original run. The original airing of that episode was the first time I saw that board cube. Mm-hmm. Changed my life <laughs> forever. I was not the same kid. Star as, Trek wasn't the same at that point either. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going a really long way around going, just trying to say that for me, being there from the beginning, but also having to play catch up, uh, I yeah, Generations was one of those movies that I kind of felt a little bit let down by, honestly. Yeah. Coming off of the great run of the series. Yeah. And then it's and then we kind of get a yeah, that was kind of kind of cool. It was okay. You know, we didn't say meh at the time. Right. But, you know, and then they redeemed themselves with some of the the next few movies. First Contact incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um Insurrection, a good it. It would have been a great episode. It was an episode. It was yes, it, it was, was. But it was a great episode. It I was felt like, yeah because it was. It's exactly what Star Trek is about. Yeah, agree. If if they're ever going to do anything on Star Trek where they, where they're trying to do, they go against all the rules to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, insurrection. It, it was. It was a perfectly good episode of tng Mm -hmm. it was not a movie though i mean you look back on it now and it's like i mean it was i don't know it's mixed yeah i mean but it's how i feel about star trek 5 enterprise was different their uniforms were different that makes it a movie Uh, sure sure Mm -hmm. uh nemesis 
I, I did not like Nemesis when it came out, and I I still don't own it. It's still not a good movie. It's not a good enough movie for me to own. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of didn't like what it did at the end with Data. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I just I don't like that movie that much. But that's not what we're really talking about. We're reflecting on all good things. So that was kind of the end of Star Trek. Oh, yeah, at yeah. Least I on apologize. You asked me television. a question, and I no, it's <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I wanted to take a moment and pause on that because we come twenty seven years later to Picard, right? Mm-hmm. So we have all of these movies, and they do their thing, but we're left with a pretty big gap. We're left with a twenty year gap, basically, in our our crew that we grew up with that we loved right and would love to have seen more but we didn't have to see more one of the things that i appreciate about continued storytelling in a genre or in a universe is it's a good story if it's a story that should be told right if it's if it's a story that's throwaway i kind of have problems with it and that filters into our whole star wars and whether the sequels the sequel trilogy is good or not. We'll go into that in detail, but I just say that as a touchstone for getting into the rest of this discussion, which is Star Trek Picard. So we have season one that airs in January, 2020, just very briefly on the, um, I didn't care for the season. I still haven't finished the entire season, but I stopped watching it. You and I discussed it on the old podcast, right? You did watch the whole thing Mm -hmm. and appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have season two came out last year, 2022 ran from March to May of, of 2022. Um, you and I did not watch it when it aired originally have not talked about it. Have just recently finished watching it. I didn't watch the whole thing. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is some interesting things that happen in there. Uh, and, Overall, I feel like it's not as bad a season as what I made it out to be when it was airing originally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was a little bit flawed in not giving it a chance. What were your thoughts on it when you finished watching season two? Well, I didn't realize that you had such a problem with it. I, I mean, I think you had hinted anyway that you weren't super crazy about it, having not watched it yet. But... Um, you know, when you, when you look at the season just by itself, just take that slice of, of Star Trek right there, just pull it and pull it out and watch it as it is. Um, I don't really think it's that bad at all. I think we've got some good development of, uh, of Picard as a character. Um, and then a lot of the other characters that are involved too, um, but but okay go ahead do you feel like the character of picard is perhaps somewhat diminished with all of the internal memories and the recalling of his mother and what happened with her and dealing with her illness did it not feel like it weakens him as a character just a little bit or or are you of this you know uh grow stronger from the sharing <laughs> are you in that camp you know, this goes all the way back to family. And it's something... The TNG episode, yes, family? Yes, the TNG episode. Right after Best of Both After Worlds. Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Season 4. Yes. So, this is what I've always loved about the development of the Picard character, is that they make him a real person. They make him a real person with, with, uh, with a past and with flaws, things that he's having to deal with, like all of us are. And yet he is still able to be the great captain and hero that he is. So when you compare that to others, say like Captain Kirk, I mean, he was just, he did whatever he wanted, and there were no consequences ever until he died. 
I'm still not convinced he's really dead, but <laughs> yeah, that's another discussion. But anyway, it's just it just seems like I mean, they tried to do a little bit in some of the the reboot movies, but that's not real Star Trek, so it doesn't matter. But agreed, yeah. But but then I mean, just to have again, you can go back and listen to our old podcast. We talked about this same well, thing. They can't, but it's it. Oh, it's, okay. It's it's we've not, said it. It's it's ephemeral. Yeah, it's All ephemeral. Right. It's it's. A, so email me if you would like a specific episode. <laughs> um, but it's just it's what we see week after week after week is our heroes, our crew. They go through these absolutely horrific, traumatizing situations. They come out on the winning side, and then we tune in next week, and it's like nothing happened. Yeah. Okay, but now we see Picard go through this terrible, traumatizing situation where he's he's assimilated by the Borg, and what do we see in the next episode? He comes right back out and defeats a bunch of Klingons. No, he goes home and cries. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it it's great. It's it's such a good way to develop a character and make him. He can still be what we want him to be, but still be a real person. Okay. I, I see where you're going with okay. that. And, and, and that, that is kind of after having sat down with you and finished that season up Picard season two, mm-hmm. what I realized is that I was being too harsh about the emotional aspect of it. I was viewing it as Patrick Stewart wants to tell an emotional story. He doesn't want to be on the bridge of a starship. He doesn't want to be the captain. He wants to be a man. And that's not what my expectation was. And so I realized I was not giving the the show a fair shake because of my expectation. Right. But what you're saying is, is 100% true and accurate. Um, it's good to see your characters dealing with the emotional fallout of a traumatic situation. Did it have to be a situation where it's his mother hanging herself because she's depressed? Honestly, if I were the dad, I would have shipped her off to a Federation doctor and they would have, you know, put a hypo in her and she would have been fine after that because that's kind of the Roddenberry universe. That's the future that we built. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and now we've turned our back on that. Now we're dealing with, current day mm-hmm. issues that people have no solutions for. And so it feels a little bit of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the ideal that Roddenberry created is, has become unpalatable to modern audiences. I suppose mm-hmm. the idea of a utopia is old fashioned, right? Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, I see that and I accept it. And it's like, okay, so we're going to watch something of our time. But at the same time, you know, it's, there's also laws in Star Trek that have kind of been not broken, but impinged on. And it, it, it makes Picard season two, not acceptable, but not as great as I'd want it to be. Yeah. Well, have you seen any of the new Star Trek? They don't pay attention to the old Star Trek. No. That's so, true. you know, there's, and, and I, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but there, there's just so many things in, in a lot of the new Star Trek series that I just feel like if the writers had actually watched the old Star Trek episodes, read the scripts or something, <laughs> had some consultants who had watched them. Read a compendium? Yeah, yeah. then maybe there are some things that wouldn't have been written the way they were because sure. then they would know that, Oh nope, that's not how things went. Right. We're going to have to come up day. with something else. Yeah. Yeah. No. Which all of this brings and us put a to pin in that. Yeah. By yeah, the yeah. Way. All right. Which all of a, all of this brings us around to season three of Picard. Okay. There were going to be three seasons and now the series is done. We have, we have a complete, a completely told story in these three seasons. Season three airs this year. Uh, beginning in February and just wrapped up uh, at the end of April or beginning of April, I do believe. And so I watched it as it was running, have rewatched it a a time or two. 
you've had a chance to watch it now. Mm-hmm. And so the bulk of our, the rest of our discussion here, which we're are very quickly rolling up on an hour. So um, thoughts season three wide open. And, and, and just the, the basic premise is uh, Picard gets a message from Beverly Crusher and goes and finds her with the help of Jonathan Frakes's uh, Will Riker. Um, they find them. They find basically the rest of the cast and crew <laughs> of the of the next generation, and the Borg are back. the The Borg are pulling strings, and, and the the changelings are back, or at least some of them are. And there's a nefarious plan to take over the Federation, and our TNG crew has to ride in on the white horse, <laughs> the Enterprise D, and save the day. And so that's spoiler without spoilers <laughs> on on some of the things that happened in this series, but that's uh that's season three in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. What did you think about what we were shown there? You know, there's a lot of talk these days um, with all of these different franchises that are really big and making reboots and resurgence. And um, there's a lot of talk about fan service. And I will say in Picard season three, there was an, overly gratuitous amount of fan service and i would like to say thank you for that (laughs) yeah i feel that i have been served yes yeah no absolutely there there is um there is fan service and it can be a negative connotation i i i i believe that Mm -hmm. i've seen that i've seen that in several franchises here though it felt like it belonged. It felt like this is what we needed. In it, okay, if it was too much for you in season three, that's fine. Blame the show's producers for not spreading it out amongst all three seasons, right? That's what I say. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that the writers and the people that worked on the se- on season three finally acknowledged that the next generation happened. That all of those things that we remember from from the Enterprise D of old, those actually existed. Mm-hmm. And they showed up yeah. <laughs> on screen. Of course, Picard is surrounded by relics of his past in his chateau. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It, it's, it, it, made, it made sense. And that continued throughout other episodes. Things were happening that harkened back to old episodes. And it didn't feel like it was being, you know, just crammed down your throat, to me anyway. Mm-hmm. It was a celebration mm-hmm. of next generation, of all good things, of ever of the legacy that we knew at the end of that, where they're all around the card table on the Enterprise D playing cards with Picard there for the first time saying, I should have done this a long time ago. You wanted to believe that that crew continued to play cards together and that there was history there. And maybe it wasn't all brilliant and rainbows and all of the all the good things we know bad things happen too in picard season three by the time the story wraps and you see all of them in guinan's bar playing cards again i i got such good warm and fuzzies over that because it was like it's 30 years later and this is what i wanted to see this crew doing Mm -hmm. whether it was on the enterprise d or F or G or whatever enterprise is out there or whatever ship they're on. It could have been the stargazer. I don't care, but they were still together and they were still finding ways of being a family. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was, that was what was gratifying about that whole series. And then all of the stuff in between that remind me, Oh yeah, we're in the star Trek universe. Awesome. I loved it. Um, there were times where th- there were some things that seemed like a bit, contrivance um not necessarily that i minded all that much but it it just seemed like they they did go a long way to make sure they pulled in every element of tng in some way and some of it yeah i kind of saw coming some of it i was like i'm not real sure about that but then other parts i was just like yeah no that totally makes sense but what really makes sense for me at the end of the whole thing is just the fact that we've seen this story of Picard 
for the last two seasons. And we kind of get little hints about what's gone on in his life since all good things, or since the movies ended, actually, I should say. Um, and and it's not all great, but he's still he's still Picard, and he has he's had his ups and downs, and he's had his adventures on his own, flying solo with a new crew, with new with new friends, new faces that we get to meet. But when it comes down to it, this mission that he's on in season three has got to be the next generation crew because that these are the only people that can, that he can trust these are the only people that can help him in this time and he's counting on all of them there's nobody else we have some of the other characters we have seven we have rafi um but well, we even have the the captain of the titan in there which i thought was I liked him. I know. You liked him. You didn't? You, huh? You didn't I, like him? I didn't not like him. <laughs> but I, I know I think I think you like him and I don't as much like him for the same reason is is because uh just the way he 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 doesn't care, I guess, basically. I mean uh, what's the term zero letter of the alphabet given? Yeah. Is that is yeah. that work? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that. Okay. But anyway, yeah. that, that's just me. Well, I mean, but it was a problem in season one when nobody recognizes Picard as being anybody. Yeah. Like, whatever, old man. Yeah. Move <laughs> okay, along. Okay, boomer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but now, all of a sudden, it's cool that somebody doesn't care who he is. What's going yeah. on? Explain this to me like uh, I'm five years old. Yeah. No, you don't have to. You you don't you don't have to explain why you like or why you don't like certain things all the time. I just had this conversation with my daughters. They were asking me about why I don't like a certain genre of music. I'm like, I just don't. Like <laughs> why do we have to quantify everything? Something's just every hit, opinion. And yeah. some things just don't. Exactly. Yeah, and no. and yeah, no, you you really liked him as a character. I did like him. I just I liked to be contrarian sometimes yeah, i know but uh no it is funny because you can see the look uh, i don't know if this is getting too much into the series itself but you can see the look on picard and riker's face when he does not care who they are yeah they are completely <laughs> dumbfounded how do we how do we go from here yeah it's yeah. like uh do you know who we are yeah oh uh <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, loved it, <laughs> loved it, because you do, you really, you see them it, from the start of the series, they're on the back foot, mm -hmm. you know, they they don't know what's going on with Crusher, um, it, and they're they're trying to get there to figure it out, but yeah, they're kind of kind of out of their element, you know, and, and I like that mm -hmm. because where the story goes from there, they go from being out of it and not respected to once again, the center of attention, people are looking to them for leadership and to get it done mm -hmm. and to get it accomplished. And, and it's not that it's the, the thing that I love too is the crew that is not the TNG crew, the new crew, the new characters that we're introduced to, they're brought along with them. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it isn't, it isn't the TNG hour where it's only the TNG crew that does the good thing and, and can accomplish stuff. Everybody's work at the end of it is working together mm -hmm. and it all comes together for all of the characters that we've gotten to know and that we love. And so it's kind of a happy place there at the end. And, and that's, that was something that I felt like was missing out of seasons one and two. Well, yeah, but that's because the story's not over. True. True. If we get that at the end of seasons one and season two, then what do we need season three for? That's a point. That's a point. But it, what I'm saying is that throughout those seasons, mm -hmm. the the optimism and the the warm and fuzzies that I was used to seeing in old TNG didn't feel like it was there. 
that may just be my perspective. When I watch season three, throughout the season and especially at the end, I get the warm and fuzzies mm-hmm. throughout. And that's that's why I appreciated it. Because mm-hmm. it felt like I was watching season eight of TNG, mm-hmm. essentially is what it comes down to. And I, I love it for that. I love it. I, I'm We're coming in over an hour. And I'm I'm trying to keep these epi- these issues. I almost said episode. Ooh, don't do that. <sighs> that was close. I know. Trying to keep these to an hour. Um. So so we'll we'll, we'll land the plane here, and, and I I will just say that that is the the feeling that I got from Picard season three. If you haven't watched any of Picard, watch it. I, I I'm just going to tell you it want season one. While I have not personally finished it, there's a story there to be told. And it impacts season two and it impacts season three. Season two is better than I thought it was. Watch it. They're only 10 episodes long each season. But if you only have time to watch 10 episodes, watch season three. If you loved old TNG, you are doing yourself a disservice by not watching season three. Because I feel like it is the season eight that Star Trek fans deserved. That's how I feel about it. Your thought? Yeah, I mean, other than not knowing how Seven of Nine came aboard and who is Rafi, that's really about all you're missing if you don't watch season one and two. Um, but, uh, no, I'd say go ahead and give all three a watch. But even, uh, I don't know. There, there's holes. We don't, we don't, we don't want to do this. You're already, you're, you're already wanting to try to land <laughs> poke this some, plane. Poke some holes. Poke some holes. We'll see <laughs> well, where it goes. You know, like I said, be just be, if if writers would watch old Star Trek, then they would not find themselves in some of the predicaments that they're in, <laughs> because they would know the rules already. Right. Yeah. Um. But you know. Just like somebody in the writers' room one day said, "Hey, what if we have?" Picard go back in time and meet Guinan back in the 21st century when they've never met before. And then she's going to pretend like she doesn't know him for the next 300 years. And somebody could have said, yeah, actually, um, 1800s. She would have already met him yeah. at that time. Yeah. So she's not going to be shocked to see him and not know who he is. She's yeah. going to be more wondering, what are you doing here right now? <laughs> How'd you show up here in Los Angeles <laughs> in 2024? Come on. Didn't, yeah. didn't we do this in San Francisco already? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, remember that time? This is the, They don't even remember their own series, though, right? Because season two, we have the Borg, which, yeah. okay, now this is a, it turns into a much a nicer version of the Borg. And then, and then they're we not. Just, we just forget and about. And then they're that. not. Yeah, we just completely forget about. Yeah, that. there's there's questions from season two to season three that are not addressed yeah. whatsoever. I mean, it's just uh, like they pretend like that that scene did not. happen. So here's the thing. I, I I try to adjust that in my head canon with the fact that season two Q features heavily in that mm-hmm. story, and the ending of that series is really good. I I felt like it was really strong. It was almost TNG. What Q does with them is he introduces them to an alternate timeline, right? Mm-hmm. And then he sends them back to correct that timeline. Maybe that's the out. That's that's a different Borg. It's a different a different uh, history for the Borg. And so in season three, they're back in the prime timeline, I guess. That's kind of where I went with it. So then nothing in season two actually happened? Really, it, it doesn't directly affect season three. No, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I know it's a tough pill to swallow because in because it goes back to what you're saying. Is it a story that needs to be told? Yeah, I if know. It's a story that doesn't actually impact our crew and our universe. Then is it a story that needs to be told? I'm, I'm, it, it, yeah, and that's I'm, I'm glad you wrapped this up with that because. That is why I had a real problem with season one, is it felt like it was a story that did not need to be told. Season two, I assumed, was a continuation of a story that didn't need to be told. There are things of value in both of those seasons. I I will acknowledge that. 
it's not exactly my cup of tea, though. However, in season three, there is a story there that needed to be told, that made sense, that coupled with everything that we saw in the first seven seasons, and even some of the movies of the ne- of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And so, for that reason, season three is to me is a standout, and is kind of a return of Star Trek. Maybe just of the next generation, but it, it is a return to the Star Trek that that those of us that were fans back in the 90s and back in the 80s and even before that, we see it, we recognize it, we appreciate it mm-hmm. because it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and how about Amanda Plummer? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, underutilized maybe a little bit in that season. You think so? I don't know. I thought it was perfect. Okay. Everything about her was perfect. I'll just agree with you on that. Okay. Then. I'm not even going to think too hard on it. But yeah, her her performance was brilliant. Made mm-hmm. me uncomfortable at times. Yeah. And that's what you want in that's a villain. That's the idea. Yeah. No, that's what yeah. you want in a villain. And she did, she did a great job mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, absolutely. And we got to see her father be a villain on screen. And now we get to see her be a villain on, on in Star Trek. So, great. Yep. Great. Is that all we have to say? Watch no, season but probably three. all we should say. For now. Yeah. Yeah, for now. Who knows? We may revisit this later. There's more Star Trek coming. Strange New World season two. That's coming out this next month. Well, this month, actually, in June. As you're listening, uh, I believe around June 15th, I think, is the premiere for season two. Have you watched any of uh, Strange New World yet? No. Oh, okay. No. You're you're busy. I'm busy. Your family's busy. Yeah. So y'all got things going on. Yeah. We'll, we'll circle back. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan, for coming here. And taking out a little bit of time, uh, taking the time to watch Picard, and then now sitting down with me to discuss it. I've been wanting to do this for a very long time, and I'm glad we had a chance to do it now. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, uh, folks, I hope you've enjoyed issue two of Geekly Retrospect. If you like what you hear, uh, be sure and send us a message. Um, I don't know where you would send it to. Get in touch with me on Facebook. I'm uh, Ethan Maestri on Facebook or connect with us at uh, geekly retrospect on Facebook as well. You can, you can leave a message there if, if you so desire. Um, we'll work on getting an email maybe, although I've got enough email accounts. I don't know. Maybe I can convert one. Who knows? Um, and, and if you, if you like uh, listening to us here on Spotify, uh, definitely give us a rating and review. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, we thank uh, Gabe once again. I thank Gabe once again uh, for hosting us here on the wannabe network. You can I, listen to I our. I will acknowledge Gabe's contributions. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's very big of you. Appreciate that. He uh, knows. He knows I'm playing. We 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 have other shows on the Wannabe Network. Give those a listen. Uh, Gabe and I occasionally do a punch counter punch in which we talk about uh, current topics and issues and uh, general geekery that we like and appreciate. Kind of more of the same, but different. Um, and then there, there are other shows that we're doing as well. A guy and his wife just premiered, uh, re-premiered, I guess. Uh, we should should put it that way. Uh, give that a listen. And, and there's other things going on in, in the works as well. So uh, thanks for listening to the Wannabe Network. Thank you for listening to Geekly Retrospect, issue number two. Ryan, a- anything you want to sign off with here? Nope. Bye, y'all. <laughs>